You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright, the power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected, a place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California, and so is my guest tonight. And he is a very, very old friend of mine, and he's known all over the world now. Matter of fact, we kind of started at the same time with my show, and I think I was his first interview, <laughs> but I saw him on YouTube, and he was so adorable. And by golly, I actually got an interview with him. And since that time, we have still remained friends. And I am so delighted to say that he's actually on the cover of the March issue of Law of Attraction magazine, because he is a superstar now. And his name is Mr. Lee Harris. I am so excited to be talking with Lee again. I just love him. And he channels the three Z's. So it's going to be a fascinating show. He's always so much fun. And um, just, I've been looking forward to this for so long. It's so good to touch base with a person I consider to be a brother. So without further ado, let's listen to a few commercial breaks. And then we're going to be back on with Mr. Lee Harris. It's here, it's hot, and it's a must read. It's the science behind the Law of Attraction magazine. Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite Law of Attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. Go to lawofattractionmagazine.net. That's lawofattractionmagazine.net. Did you know that every human uses only a small portion of their powerful mind? Jules Johnson, International Certified Hypnotherapist, wants to introduce you to your powerful mind in order to create your dream life. In as little as one session, Jules guides you into releasing limiting beliefs that keep you from achieving wealth, health, better relationships, and even true love. Schedule a session in Palm Springs or set up a Skype video session for those nationally and internationally. Jules would love to serve as your guide into living your dreams. Go to creativeguidedimagery.com or call 951-201-2166. That's creativeguidedimagery.com. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network, heard by millions worldwide through 38 internet radio stations and in over 135 countries.
Be sure to sign up for your monthly updates and get all the latest information on LOA radio events such as cruises, workshops, and seminars, as well as information on the latest shows, topics, and guests. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com and sign up today. Uh, well, welcome, Mr. Lee Harris, to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Lee, I love you so much. You have no... We go way back. <laughs> I love you, too. This is such a nice reunion. I can't believe it's been so long. But, yeah, just getting, just getting in these moments before we start this interview to reminisce with you is awesome. And it's kind of scary how, how many years ago it was, how, how, how that feels like yesterday. And yet, actually, we're talking seven, eight years ago when we used to do a lot together on the radio and the oh, cruise. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, a lot of time has passed, but because of all of that time that's passed, you have accomplished so much. You are all over the world, jetting around. People uh, know you all over the world. You are truly a superstar, and I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. It's so funny when you said that to me earlier. I was it, Because you know you just do your thing, right? But I guess <laughs> since then, if I think about eight years ago, yeah a lot has changed with, with the work I do and where I go. And no, it's been great. So you channel the three Z's. Yes. But you're also an incredible singer. Oh, thank you. You made a huge tribute when my father died, when I couldn't make it on the show. You took it all over for me. Really, it was so wonderful. And you sang the angel song. Yeah, Sarah McLachlan's Angel Song, which I just think is one of the best songs we've ever, ever had on earth. Yeah, really. It still brings tears to my eyes. So wow. there's a reason why we're so close. It must be, we must have had known each other in a previous life. But yeah. ever since you were in England, living in England, Brighton, when we first communicated yeah. and i'm sure that was 2006 or 2007 so we're going back 13 14 years and i'd only been doing this work at that time for about three years i don't know how long you've been doing law of attraction at that point but it was only the radio yes only the radio and yeah. now we're expanded now the, so the whole world is expanding now and the law of attraction has not ceased to exist channeling hasn't ceased to exist mm -hmm. It's going bigger and bigger, and it's like we're here to learn even more new things. Have you found that you and the three Zs are expanding? Yeah, there was a point for me about four years ago when I considered stopping the channeling aspect of my work. Um, not personally, I knew I'd keep my own relationship with them, but I'd been doing so much work facilitating self-growth and working as an energy intuitive that I was questioning the necessity of the channeling. And of course, you know how life does that to you. Just as I start questioning it and considering stopping doing it, I had so many people, like I went off on this tour and so many people were like, oh, that channeling's really helped me. I have your, your books by my bedside. So it was like, okay, I'll, you know, so, so I found that what I've noticed is channeling has become a more, accepted part of the self-development spiritual spiritual field but i think 
more because spirituality and self-development has started to be seen as normal. Whereas when we began like years and years ago, I mean, I started channeling publicly uh, 16 years ago. It was very niche. Um, We were just at that point where YouTube was beginning to help people like Esther Hicks get out there in a big way. And I always thought Esther was amazing. Um, so there was this beginning, this beginning in the world, but I really feel like the internet has changed everything where self-growth and spirituality has been concerned. It's just made it more normal and actually a tool that people need in times like this, which can be confusing, anxiety producing. There are lots of big questions that we're all facing the climate, all of the transformation that's going on around the world yet. I feel like those of us that were spiritually seeking or doing spiritual work, we were having these conversations 15, 20 years ago. It's just now we're living in these times. And that's what makes it quite different. It seems like we need to know it more now, but as a person and as a channel, you have personally evolved into a new level. Yeah. I mean, you're just not standing there. You're, you are evolving along with the 3Z, along with the spiritual aspects that we're all experiencing now. Yes. It's like you, can't, you can't stop growing because every day, every year is a new expansion. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I, I don't know how those listening or reading this feel, but I feel like spirituality to me was always just life. So I, I always say that, you know, there are no, there's no such thing as a spiritual person. If you're a human being and you're alive, you're of spirit and you're having a spiritual experience, even if you never see it that way. What is it that propels the body? It's our soul. And if you've been around a dead body or dead bodies, when you see that dead body, you're very clear that it was not the body that was animating uh, this life force of this person. It's like, where has the energy gone? Well, the energy has returned. So I feel for me, my evolution personally, of course, it happens as we grow and get older. I feel like that very same intersection I was speaking about where the mainstream world has started to embrace and include self-growth, spirituality, as part of its life, so too do I feel like it's helped me in my own integration because the work I do is a bit more mainstream, but so too does that allow me to, in a way, go back and integrate parts of myself that previously were compartmentalized, meaning as many of us who are spiritual seekers 20 years and before ago, it was kind of like this niche thing or this thing that you couldn't really speak to many people about, or if you did, they thought you were weird or they judged you or they were scared or they were like intrigued and delighted. But now it's just like, eh, whatever, you know, spirituality. It's like, oh, cool. Oh yeah, you do Reiki. Oh yeah, I know what that is. You know, people aren't too bothered. And I, I actually feel that has actually been very beneficial to the aspect of our personalities that used to feel like we were off in the corner by ourselves. I think this, there's, a, there's a healing that happens for us as people around that too, because as it becomes embraced, by the collective, we get to kind of reintegrate those parts of us we may have had to keep separate. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We are, you know, I don't even stop to really think about it, but I am a totally different person 
from when I first met you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. But it's because of the growth and expanding. And I like that um, analogy about a dead person. You can see that it's not there anymore. And, and I also like what you just said about, you know, we don't stop and think about it. It's why when we first came onto this call just before the interview and you commented on my work the last eight years, I had to stop and think about it because, you know, we just do what we do every day and we don't necessarily look at the trajectory. But then when I thought back to 2012, I was like, oh yeah, well, it was quite different actually. But, and, and I, I, I say that because it's one of the things I try and remind myself to do, but I don't always succeed to do it. And this is something the Z's encourage to stand back and look at your life and see how far you've come and how many changes there have been. Because the Z's said we crave evolution as human souls. And we get very distressed when we see devolution. So, you know, if you think of just, if you look at the conversation about politics the last four years in America, for example, and, you know, you could say around the world, no matter what side you stand for, no matter what person you voted for, the amount of stress and distress that has gone on uh, in, in the collective around all of that and this idea of we're devolving and then other people going, no, we're not, we're getting back to where we needed to go because they stand for something else. It's very stressful. And so the Z's say, you know, you need and you crave as human beings to see that you're evolving and yet so rarely do you stop and see how far you've come. So a really good exercise can be to just consider your last 12 months and go, well, what were the good things that happened that I can see that were progress? It does, that really connects you to your soul when you stop and do that because you see the wonder of this thing called being a human being, which we're recording this the day after Kobe Bryant's um, <gasps> helicopter with him and his daughter and some of their friends. It went down about 20 minutes from where I'm sitting right now, oh um, just in Calabasas. And it, you know, it, it it's it was so sad and yeah you could argue well who were all the other people that we didn't know about who died today who aren't famous but i think we would feel just as sad about those people if we heard about them i think things like yesterday remind us all nothing's guaranteed and you don't know how long you've got and even in these tricky times that we're in the z's say it's an amazing thing to be human this is the time you signed up for. Your life is not promised. Enjoy the ride while you are in it. And I think those can be very hard words to hear if you're like in the middle of grief or depression or have just had the rug pulled out from under your life. But they are true words. Like I've, I've, I've gone through my own ups and downs in life and they are right. So I always know for me, whatever I'm going through or if I'm challenged, I believe those truths, which is we're here to have a, an experience that's really quite extraordinary. And unlike anything else that you can experience as a soul, being human on this planet. And for me, I know that I have to create wonder and magic in my life and in my work, because those are energies that I need to see in the world. And I believe in them. They have to be created. It's what we're here for. You're, you're the same, Jules. You know, you're creating this wealth of material and conversations and wanting to put that out into the world. And um, I think 
at times like this that are challenging, it's really important that we hold up and find and generate the light in the darkness. Mm, so well put. So well put. I really, I really like that. Except, you know, just the last few weeks, I've had friends die, mm. parents, you know, everybody. There has been so much grief. And like you said, there's grief with this political situation. No way. Everybody's suffering some form of grief. But the picture in my mind is when I leave, I want to be dancing. I'm going to be dancing all, I'm going to pick up all my old friends and be dancing with them. It's like, Lee, we both know life, life does not end at mm -hmm. death. Mm -hmm. what, what does the three Z's say about death? Well, they say a couple different things. And this just came up as a question in my members community the other day. We do this monthly broadcast in the, it's called The Portal, my members community. Oh. And someone asked, how long does the soul stay attached to the human body? Because they were wondering about cremation, burial, all of those things. And the Z said, um, usually not longer than two weeks will a soul stay attached to its body in physical form. But for some souls, it can be a what we would know as two months in, in linear time. And they said, the reason being, they don't need to have tentacles to the human body because once you're spirit, you can basically channel your way into anything. Um, you can channel your way to a person that you knew when you were alive. So, but they say there is a tentacle of energetic connection that usually is severed after about two weeks. Um, but for some souls, it can go as long as two months. So the soul does not remain with the human body once it has passed over because it's going to recycle and renew itself. So you would never incarnate as the same personality again. So you also wouldn't choose to stay attached to a body that is no longer animating your soul. It's served its purpose, its time is done, and you're out. So it literally is all about energy because our energy doesn't die. We're just going into another uh, life form. Yes. And they, the one thing they've said is, you know, from our human perspective, we try and understand it as um, our personality. And they say right. no, that's problematic. They say it's not like when you die, you're having a whole new experience as a personality in another realm. They say the energy realm is a lot, is a lot, and what did they say? A lot less interesting than you would think. So they say, you know, as a human being, you've got this life and you're doing all these things and you're involved with people and it's all very defined and different colors and different. They say the, the energy realm is far wider and far more spacious and peaceful. And it doesn't mean that you don't have an imprint when you've become energy without form again. But the reason that being human is so good is that you get to really shape your identity as a soul in a way that you don't when you return to energy and essence. So, but they do say there's a transition period. So when we first pass over, apparently it takes time for us to become more amorphous as energy. So you have like this period where you are experiencing yourself still as thought form and emotions. Uh -huh. And you, you have, um, 
like a, a clearing period, which they said for some people can be three months and for some people can be a year or two, where you're still very connected to what you just went through, who you went through it with, and there's some level of review. But the conscious mind is not very strong in that space in the way that it is for you and I right now. So when we die, how do we communicate with those that have passed? Apparently very easily for us when we have died, but it all depends on the person who is left on the earth, um, the frequency that they are in, the necessity of your communication, because they say when people leave our lives, they're communicating with us all the time. We just might not hear them or see evidence of them, but they're around. So for example, our parents or our children or our loved ones are gone. They are still very much in our auric field. They're just not here in the same way. It's not as defined and it's not as emotionally or energetically connected from human to human because we all have these energy tentacles to each other. So Jules, for example, you and I have not really spoken to each other for many years now but you were in my energy field and I was in yours because we've had these experiences together. So part of who I am is still influenced by Jules Johnson and part of who you are is still influenced by Lee Harris because we've had these human emotional interactions oh, yeah. and connections. When we die, um, those connections can still be there. And often people will use the death of loved ones to become more connected to the other side. That will be the moment when they give permission and um, seek contact. So it's very powerful when people die because what it does is it connects us to the other side because our attention on them and our focus on them and our looking for them starts to go a little closer to where they've gone. So we break out of the spell of only human reality and we start to think, well, hang on a second, where have they gone? Because I think we often focus on mediumship around yeah. loved ones who've passed on. And yet something the Z's explained is that person is not dead because they are now in your body. They are now in you. They are part of your thoughts, part of your emotions, part of your feelings. So I think that's kind of the miracle of life. Not necessarily that we can contact someone who has died but the fact that we are all constantly infusing each other in the most invisible but profound way. We're all constantly sharing and becoming who we are because of the influence of other people. And when you think about that, that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty extraordinary. To me, that's now normal. But I think in the way that most of us were trained and educated, we do not acknowledge that enough. And yet that's what's actually happening on an energetic level. So when we have thoughts all of a sudden of someone that's passed, maybe even 10 years ago, is that person, is the energy trying to reconnect or it just never has left? So of course we're in communication. I, 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 I'm always wary of giving like a blanket rule because uh, you know, when I used to do one-on-one -on -one sessions with people, what I learned was we're all so different and things work very differently. You can work with eight intuitives and they all experience intuition in very unique ways, depending on what they've been through, depending on how they're wired, depending on that moment. But what I will say is 
not just loved ones who've passed over, it's very common and, and, and you can feel into this yourself on a case by case basis. But if I was thinking of you tomorrow, Jules, it's quite a high probability you're thinking of me or you were just talking about me or you were just thinking about me. Now that's not true for all the time and it's not true for everybody, but the more intuitive you get, you may notice you may think about a friend and then the next day you hear from that friend. Oh, I was just thinking about you. I was just talking about you. So you, the, you know, the, that's, how, that's how amorphous the energy field between us all can be if you're open to it and if you're deeply connected to someone within it who also is open to it. So death has the same way. And I've met people who, like you just described, they'll be thinking of their past, their, their past one. You could ask for a sign. You could say, if, if, if this is you trying to contact me, can you show me a sign within the next 24 hours? Show me something that, that will confirm that this is you trying to contact me. And you never know what might happen. The radio might suddenly play a song by their favorite band. That, you know, the signs might be there. But I'm a, big, I'm a big believer in these windows of reality are possible to move through. I mean, obviously, I, you know, I became a channeler when I wasn't looking for it. So I encourage people to, I'm like, hey, if you're thinking that your mom is contacting you, try talking to her. Try sitting down with a pen and paper and seeing if you can ask her a question and see if you can hear the answer. I'm a big believer in we should play with it. We should explore it if it's That's a good intriguing point. us because intuition is an experiment, meaning it's different for all of us in different ways, but it's, it's a lot more active than we think. I think we're often trained to believe it's this mystical thing that donks us on the head and we just have to wait for it. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, no, no you to sit down and channel with a pen and paper, you're participant in that. You are agreeing to make a connection. You're, you're kind of lighting the touch paper. So I think we should be collaborative and creative with our intuition rather than feeling it's something that we're not allowed to walk toward or, or ask for for ourselves. I think the opposite is true. I think we have to cultivate a curiosity about it yeah, and definitely. a willingness to walk towards it, experiment with it, play with it, see what happens. So with Kobe Bryant and his beautiful young daughter, there's a lot of grief around that. Yeah. What do we, what, how do we react to grief? Because that is so doggone painful. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it just seems like it keeps on log continuing on and on and on what do we do well you know the, the the z's talked about grief windows and they said grief opens up a window in you that will stay open as long as it is meant to and as long as you are willing to let it oh wow and grief will come through you using one catalyst but maybe 12 past stories and what what that means is let's say your dog dies and your grief for your dog you you think is a bit irrational you're like wow i wasn't even this sad when my dad died and i can't you know i can't i can't stop crying about my dog three months later and we can look at that logically and go well you and the dog had an incredible harmony and love and support maybe you didn't always have that with your dad but you saw the dog every day 
you know, there's the rational side, and I think that has to be taken into consideration. But then the other side that I always now think about is disease, say, emotion, sadness, trapped feelings, they need to come out of the body, and the body will find a way and an opportunity to do that. So if the grief of a celebrity or a friend of a friend that you didn't even really know, but you hear the story and you're like, oh my God, why did I cry? I don't think the why is, is, is what we should worry about. I think we just have to let the energy move through us and recognize that this is a catalyst for grief. Grief, as we know, goes through many different stages. So there can be anger, mm-hmm. denial, shock, um, sadness. But I think that the world has been going through a big grief process um, for, I would say it's been quite a strong grief process for the last four to five years. Um, I know for me personally, it, it shifted a bit after about two years. Um, so I no longer felt in grief about some of the stuff I was in grief about in 2016. Um, in 2018, it's just kind of changed because we, we adapt. And what I notice is we become stronger. It's not to say that we become hardened to grieving, but the more we get used to and develop a relationship with loss, we get a little stronger when it comes along. We may still not like it. We may still miss the person. We may still cry, but it's a little bit like rings of a tree. We start to develop a wider relationship with life than we perhaps used to have because we're like, oh my God, this, this person in his prime with his child who we're all used to watching just suddenly poof is gone. And there is a great spiritual truth in that. And we often paint it as a tragedy that he was taken that young. And I, I think it is a tragedy for the family, for the people that loved him, that, it's, that he's gone. But the fact that he died that young is, is actually possible for any of us. I mean, that's just, and the problem is we've forgotten that's true. So in our life journey, we do not acknowledge enough that no, you might not live to 90 or 100. Nobody is guaranteed that. And I feel like we do ourselves a disservice by not acknowledging that actually and acknowledging that that, that's a truth. It kind of brings you back to this idea that, you know, every day is a gift because you don't know what's coming tomorrow. So that's how we're supposed to live life is getting to that place every day where we are grateful for the opportunity. I mean, I think that would be lovely. I don't know how easy that is to achieve. <laughs> I, guess, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is rather than we should only be, because I, I think that's too hard. Like I certainly didn't feel grateful yesterday. When I got the news, I just felt really sad. And then I have a couple of people like you in my life, very close to me going through awful, really challenging times, like a lot of, um, the rug pulled out from under their feet. So, so I was definitely in resonance with, with the sadness. But, but I, I guess what I meant by the lesson is if there is a lesson in it, it's to remember that we just never know. And usually if we can adopt that, you know, we can get our head out of, oh, I'm really annoyed at my tax bill right now, or, oh, my friend who just said that, you know, we, we focus in a very monocular way on that. But if someone were to tap you on the shoulder and go, hey, don't mean to disturb your frustration, but you've got two hours left to live. <laughs> we probably wouldn't go, 
oh, okay, well, let me just finish moaning at my friend. You know, he'd probably go, what? Two hours? Oh my God, I must. So I, I do think there is something in our culture that is underserved around death. And I think that's partly why we, we only talk about things as a tragedy. And yet I'm arguing that, yeah, I mean, it's tragic that someone died young and that all the people who loved him have now lost him in their life on the physical level. That is very, very sad, but it's also reality. And I think we do ourselves a great disservice when we forget that the reality of being human is that we do not know what's coming tomorrow. And I think that helps yeah. us stay asleep. We stay asleep at the wheel and I do it too. You know, you get lost in the minutiae of your life. So for me, that's what days like yesterday make me ruminate on as, as part of my experience, as well as the sadness. Well, I want to turn the conversation to the three Z's. Now, they are, were, they were human at one time, or were they not? And I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Right, yeah. Uh, two of, as far as I know, two or three of them were. So they're a collective. In fact, Jules, this year, earlier this year, this got published by New World Library, which is the, um, the book... Uh, yeah, um, so this is um, channeled chapters, um, all different kinds of topics that New World Library brought out. But yeah, they're a collective of 88 entities. Some of them... 88? 88. Some of them have extended... Some of them, sorry, have um, had human lives. Um, but I only ever got to know a few spokespeople, and, and there were three main guides that spoke to me and through me. Um, but no, they're a, they're a collective. And, and basically they said that um, a few of them had had human lives a few times, which is why they had an understanding of being human, which is why I think they, my experience of other channels, I've, I've heard some channels that, especially like when you speak to Pleiadians or there can be a kind of what some people perceive as a coldness or a lack of compassion. And I think it's because those entities have never incarnated. Um, while the Z's are definitely much more um, divorced from human emotion than say I am or you are, there is a certain level of compassion with them, which I assume and I hear yes, comes from the fact that some of them have had human lives, so they know what it's like. And they, uh, of course, because then they can convey, then they actually know what we're feeling. Yeah, we're so going they could say, you know, we're, you know, we understand this is difficult for you to, to go through or to grasp, and we understand that. So we're, you know, we, we understand the discomfort, rather than just, you know, sometimes I have heard some channeled beings from a few other people who are just like dismissive or, you know, because they're like, well, we're not in the body, so why do we have to care or deal with it? <laughs> yeah, no, they're not like that. Which, which I think, to be honest, if they'd been like that, I would never have carried on talking to them because that wouldn't have worked for me. That was not the way I wanted to be taught. Yeah, and, and you definitely have these emotions. And I think that's what makes you such a great singer as well as a friend is because you are there and you're with the person, physically, emotionally, everything. I think that's what makes you such a great teacher. Well, I will say that, you know, I, I, I think that, and I'm sure maybe you relate to this. I'm sure a lot of people listening relate to this. When I was younger, I just felt like my emotions were just my handicap. Like, you know, the thing that was 
that I couldn't get a handle on or I didn't quite know how to understand them um, or they sometimes were inconvenient or too much or, you know, all those things. And so, of course, I went on my own healing journey with self-growth and spirituality. Um, so I, I know that, you know, and this is true for many of us, I know that the work I do in the world today is exactly the kind of work I would have benefited from if there were more of it around 25, 30 years ago. I mean, what we really, what I had then was the Oprah show. That was my lifeline. Yes. It was watching her talk to people about how they felt in life. And I was like, oh, this, this is a language I understand. Why aren't more people talking like this? Right, right. And so, and here's Lee Harris talking like this. Right, yeah, exactly. It's funny. Careful, <laughs> careful what you wish for. You may become it. Yeah. <laughs> you well, I, 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 I don't be careful because I, I, I would never have thought this would be the work I would do in the world. It's a big surprise. And yet at the same time, it feels so logical and I'm really grateful for it. So what are, what are your plans for the future? What do, you, what do you have out there in store for us? Well, it's been a good, it's been a good year this past year. Um, there were a couple of things I knew I wanted to do that I've just managed to put out into the world. So number one was a bit of a return to music, which I'd let, well, we'd been doing music in my workshops and my seminars, but that was very private and kind of, hidden away. So I just started releasing some more music on Spotify and iTunes recently. Oh, great. I'll send you a link. But yeah, we had, um, we had a video come out with one in November. Um, so there's that. And then I'm really passionate about working with other creatives, change makers, healers, helping them do what they do in the world, because it's complicated, like figuring yeah. out the nuts and bolts of how to put all this stuff together and also the feelings that you go through, you know, that, Oh, am I good enough? I'm scared of what people are going to say online. Why should I put my stuff out there? Oprah Winfrey's already doing it. You know, all that stuff that can kind of get in the way of you showing up to do what you do. Cause if I've learned one thing, many things, but one key lesson I've learned is you never know how you're showing up could be helping someone else. Oh yeah. And you might never know. And you know, you might hear it 10 years later. And so if you have any, if you, if you just have an ounce of compulsion to show up, do it. Sure. You might have to learn a few things. You might have to overcome some shyness. You might have to figure out how to, in your case, get a podcast online. You know, what, what are the nuts and bolts of that? So <laughs> yeah. I'm doing a lot of work this year with, with people who want to train and expand their work in the world. So it's called Impact the World. It's a five-day training program for entrepreneurs. Oh, wow. And I'm also producing a, five, a, a weekly show called Impact the World, which is a podcast that is also video. So um, I interview wow. people and uh, I also give like tips, like the episodes that came out today are how to deal with online criticism and um, an interview with the actress Piper Perabo about her, her work as an actor, because she's, you know, very celebrated Golden Globe nominated actress, but she's become a real activist in the last few years around helping women find their voice in politics and oh, helping wow. women vote and lead. And so fascinating story. So talking to people who are doing great things in the world about their ups and downs of doing it and also teaching tips to people about how they could do their thing in the world. So that's something I'm really excited about. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Lee, we're going to have to do another cruise, or I'm going to get you to come to this premiere in Hollywood for Dare to Dream, The Second Secret. And it is a law of attraction. And you and I need to go to that, sir. That would be great. Wouldn't it? All right. Well, Lee, gosh, I love you. We, everyone can go to LeeHarris.com to get oh, more information. LeeHarrisEnergy.com. Lee so the oh, word energy. Me. Yeah, that's okay. LeeHarrisEnergy.com. Okay. Go there and find out more about my friend Lee Harris. I don't think you can go wrong because Lee is, oh my goodness, just oh. Oh, my brother. I, I love you, Jules. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do in the world. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Lee. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.